Welcome back to Middle East Forum Radio here on WWDB 860 AM. And I have been waiting for the better part of two years to have our next guest on our program. Stephen Emerson is considered one of the leading authorities on Islamic extremist networks, financing and operations, as well as national security and intelligence. He is the executive director of the investigative project on terrorism, a nonprofit organization that maintains one of the world's largest storehouses of archival data and intelligence on Islamic and Middle Eastern terrorist groups. He's known and he came to prominence in 1994 with the broadcast of his documentary film, Jihad in America, with the investigative project being launched at the year thereafter. Steve, welcome to the program. Good to be with you, Greg. I'm glad you could read my PR. So, uh, <laughs> Anything we can do for IPT, we're your biggest fan. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, nice to be with you this morning. Steve, what's the greatest terrorist threat facing the United States today coming from the Middle East or from within our own country? No, I think it's, I mean, the greatest threat has been the um, freelance, you know, self-anointed ISIS, Al-Qaeda uh, type that wants to carry out an attack on behalf of the Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, or some amorphous group, you know, connected to the Islamic State, similar to the attacks that have been occurring in, in France and Paris that has not gotten any notice in the New York Times, of course, but which has really uh, put a chill down the spines of many uh, uh, people, citizens of France, because there have been at least a half a dozen terrorist attacks in Paris or in the suburbs of Paris just in the last month of uh, Islamic terrorism. And in the last six months, a, a policeman, a Muslim policeman, killed uh, fellow co colleagues in a police station. They just discovered yesterday that he was pledged to ISIS. So the uh, ISIS threat is greater in Europe because that's where more uh, European uh, Muslims have volunteered and returned to. But we still have a situation in the United States where there's an active investigation in every single state. Actually, um, there are probably about 1,300 open investigations uh, of ISIS-related uh, terrorist activities in the United States at any one time in the last two years. And that's the biggest threat. Not all of them necessarily are aimed at plots in the U.S. Some, of course, are aimed at uh, support for uh, material support for plots against other states uh, in the Middle East. But many of them, or some of them, definitely are connected to plots here. Just an arrest yesterday, there was a plot connected to an attack in the United States. So, uh, you know, that that is the biggest threat. Now, the FBI has been very successful. Well, I almost might say too successful in a sarcastic way, because the public doesn't imagine, can't imagine the, the devastation. It can when the terrorist attack occurs, but when it doesn't, it feels very safe and doesn't feel threatened. And therefore, um, other threats sort of emerge as the greater ones. And I'm not minimizing the threat of right-wing neo-Nazi or right-wing right -wing, uh, supremacy. That a major threat as well, and that has surfaced obviously with the two synagogue shootings and other arrests. Um, 
and the FBI now has put additional resources on that. But to the extent that the media or certain civil rights groups claim that the right-wing supremacist threat is the greatest threat we've ever faced and downplay the Islamist threat, they are obviously advancing an ideological bias. It's very dangerous. And you can speak to FBI people and they'll tell you that very openly. But that's part of the new progressive intersectionalist ideology of downplaying any Islamist threat, in fact, uh, even legitimizing radical Islamist groups that have connections to terrorist organizations. That's the biggest problem I see. Right. And, and, and the investigative project on terrorism under your auspices has been able to create these maps and these more fundamental understandings of all the layers that go into creating Islamist networks. You know, when you have, you know, two or three hoopals that are down in southern Alabama discussing what it's going to be like to go outside and maybe try to burn a cross in their front yard, but they can't even find the propane to do it. That's what you talk about with right-wing terrorism in terms of its uh, lack of sophistication. But the work that IPT does and the work that other similar-minded organizations does finds that there's ideological underpinnings. There's logistic networks. Like you said just now, material support. And there is a whole web of these different connecting nodes that form the network that eventually lead to that attack. And that's where the FBI has been successful. They take out the different nodes that contribute to these mass terror attacks. Well, but, they, 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 yes, I, you're 100% right there. I mean, on different levels. For example, on, on the crudest level, this, the, the lone wolf, that's where the, the, the right wing, the self anointed right-wing neo-Nazi type extremist is equivalent to the lone wolf type, like uh, the guy who shot up the Pulse nightclub in Florida, uh, takes it upon himself to pledge to ISIS. But then again, at a layer above that, you will see much more sophisticated operations that are uh, designed to carry out attacks on a long-range basis with much greater sophistication that involves strategic planning and in, um, types of, of, of planning that take a couple of years sometimes over, over several countries and involvement of money fundraising with different areas of, of the world involved. Hezbollah, for example, raises money in close to 67 countries, according to the latest uh, U.S. International Customs reports, 67 countries. Now, it doesn't all go to terrorism because Hezbollah has got a, a big operational budget that's designed to sort of a state within a state, provide social services as well. But that's what terrorist groups, good terrorist groups do, like the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Hezbollah. They form a, a social industry to as an aggregate to attract supporters. And that's what they envelop their terrorist group in. And then when people accuse them of terrorism, they say, no, we just provide social services like the Muslim Brotherhood. But in fact, the kernel of their organization and their mission is to carry out terrorism to legitimize their operations. They wrap it around social missions. Now, those groups still operate, not as much anymore in the United States because of the crackdown since 9-11. And, and in, in the wake of 9-11, the IPT provided to the White House uh, open source on at least 20 front groups 
They were raising money for terrorist organizations, including Hamas, Islamic Jihad, al-Qaeda, and several others. And that resulted in the White House being able to actually freeze the assets of those groups and ultimately shut them down and prosecute half of them, some of them, including the Holy Land Foundation, whose members went to life, went to prison for life. The reason the White House came to us was that the CIA had the information to shut it down, but couldn't disclose it because it was classified. We had open source intelligence we had been collecting for at least a decade before that we could give them. And that's what they used. That's what the Office of Foreign Assets Control used to disclose, which they had to publicly by law, in order to shut down those organizations. Now, we're 12 years after Holy Land. What is the new nexus between, we're just talking about progressive and Islamist organizations trying to provide another level of support for indoctrination, for convincing, for basically giving a fig leaf for these organizations to continue to operate territory? So they're not directly funding jihadi groups in Israel, the West Bank, or the territories anymore. But the work that IPT has done has now exposed a whole new funding network of other terror organizations overseas that still have an anti-American agenda. Well, there still actually are some groups in the U.S. We just discovered this. I'm going to be careful what I say because um, the discovery has led to a preliminary criminal investigation because of the nature of the evidence. But uh, there are still groups that have 501c3 status, which is nonprofit treasury status, tax-deductible status that nonprofit groups get, and that traditionally – Terrorist front groups had gotten, like the Holy Land Foundation, to raise money and then, then to uh, you know, smuggle it or you know, launder it to Hamas or to Jihad or to Hezbollah or to al-Qaeda overseas. We just discovered a new conduit um, of a group, a network of groups operating under a name that you would not have known. It was unsuspecting. And, and, and this is because there is a, a, a real weakness in the system. And that weakness is that anybody can apply for a nonprofit status under any name, create any mission. Treasury has a division only designed to approve or disapprove of those applications. They do not do the sophisticated background uh, counterintelligence, counterterrorism investigations to look at that group. For example, when Holy Land Foundation was was shut down, a new group arose that was had a similar mission but had different names, a different, a different address. It turned out that the people who incorporated it, and we discovered this a year afterwards, were the wives or the husbands of those who had been convicted under their maiden names or their uh, in-laws, and they used the, uh, their home addresses rather than their office addresses. And we, we plugged this information into a link analysis chart, and we, fought, we found out that it was the actual same group, but they used different names, legitimate names. Now, this would not have been the Treasury Department because that division wouldn't have investigated it. Uh, the other divisions would have. Now, that's always been a problem in the U.S. government of different divisions within departments not even con- you know, connecting the dots. This was one of the reasons why 9-11 happened. Uh, it's better today than it was. But we still have a situation with in, in DHS where 
the two divisions required to vet people coming into the country, one overseas, one in the United States within DHS, don't communicate with one another. And so if an applicant from say, Syria is trying to get asylum, will be vetted by some uh, a division of DHS overseas, and there's no social media background, uh, they have nothing to go on. Um, the UN gets involved, and of course the UN will allow anyone in, including Bin Laden's, you know, children if they were. Um, and then there's an argument by somebody at DHS saying, "Well, let's hold on." But I can tell you one story, one vignette that that will really scare you, and I'll, okay. I'll be We're brief listening. about it. Uh, about a year ago, an applicant to the FBI—I won't tell you what office—wanted uh, to uh, apply for an FBI position, um, and he got the position. And it, his name it was brought to my attention. I said, "That person was 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 killed in 1992, right before." The bombing of the the first World Trade Center bombing. He was a member of Sheikh Omar Abdul Rahman's. I said, how could he be alive today and apply for? Now it turned out it was his son who applied, who had gone back to Egypt, came back to the U.S., applied for a job, and still believed that his father and the blind Sheikh were innocent. And he was made head of a counterterrorist division. And you wow. asked me, how could this happen in the year 2009? I don't know. It seems as if, though, that there is a lack of tracking, you know, the generational and the familial connections between these people. They don't do the proper background check besides going to a credit reporting agency and maybe seeing if the guy has any outstanding debts or a criminal record. I mean, this, this is also indicative, Steve, of something that is a much deeper ingrained problem in the U.S. government, which is, is that I think maybe they've gotten a little bit lazy since 9-11 happened. They're a little bit war weary. They're not so much trying to focus on the next generation of threats which faces, which still have the same ideological underpinnings, but are coming at it from a much more sophisticated angle, even from the bin Laden and the Abu Bakr al-Baghdad groups. You know, it, it, and you said this before, it's not just a lone wolf attack, but there's these new networks which are forming, it, which are starting to create ideological underpinnings. What well, is the government doing uneven, to fight them? There's an uneven sophistication. The inspector general of the FBI for the report about a month or two ago, um, a review of counterterrorist operation, uh, investigations into six jihadi attacks during the Obama administration. Attacks that you and I are familiar with from, you know, Fort Hood um, to the Pulse nightclub, Marathon. Also, by the way, none of them were referred to jihadi attacks at the time under the Obama administration. They were referred to as workplace accidents or some, some other euphemism, right? So finally, the FBI did refer to them as jihadi attacks. But what was frightening and shocking about this investigation was that in every single case, this was not known, the FBI actually had investigated each of those terrorist suspects ahead of the terrorist attacks at least six months to a year on the basis of suspicion of being involved in terrorism and closed out those investigations and said there was nothing there. And then soon, within six months, each one of those suspects carried out lethal murderous attacks. 
And it showed the problems within the FBI of not fully carrying out comprehensive investigations. Uh, it was pretty shocking. And it also opened up the FBI to civil lawsuits by the families, which, which unfortunately, you know, I, I feel badly for the FBI agents because it, it's not their real fault. It's the problem of headquarters that under the Obama administration decided to take away the training required to investigate radical Islam. What do I mean by that? They took away, they deleted, and they burned and destroyed Every single book, every single PowerPoint, every single pamphlet, every single piece of literature that was considered, quote, offensive to Muslims. And that meant tens of thousands of pieces of PowerPoint, many unclassified, on radical Islam that were destroyed, including just articles defining what jihad was. So in the end, you had, you had young coming through the system who didn't know what jihad was. Those who investigated the Boston Marathon bombers before they carried out the attack saw that they were on sites looking at jihad. And to them, what did jihad mean in love? They weren't schooled on what the definition was. That's what happened under the administration. I fault them for murderously redacting, destroying, and censoring the educational basements needed to investigate radical Islam. Period. End of story. Now, how has that changed under the Trump administration? I, I can tell you that it has not changed that much. Uh, it's been a disappointment, a major disappointment. Uh, look, I... I like the FBI. I mean, on a personal level, I'm very friendly with agents on the ground. Um, and, and further you get away, you know, from 10th in Pennsylvania, you know, the, the, the better the agent and, and the easier it is to talk to them. But nevertheless, um, the fact is that Ray really has, has he, he is still in invoking the same stand he hasn't reversed any of the bad decisions made by you know by by Mueller under under Obama none of the, in other words he hasn't restored the mater educational material on radical islam he hasn't restored the training to uh, to how to be kept, to be informants under the Obama administration they cut the budget in the FBI on uh, counterterrorist informants um, they in in under the Obama administration in the Washington office, field office of the FBI they took away the mission of tracking Hamas and Hezbollah they just took it away and they dispersed it when you disperse a mission like that it it gets it gets carried out by bits and pieces and really doesn't get carried out so that hasn't been restored. Um, where he has been more effective has been when he's been put on the hot seat as a result of the, the, the totally unlawful and corrupt investigation against the Trump administration by pipes within the top FBI. And he was forced to do that under, in changing the FISA criminal acts that were done in changing even the FISA applications, FISA meaning applications to tap telephones of U.S. citizens that were illegal. But, but bottom line on the other areas, look, I will tell you this, they're doing a good job in terms of investigating ISIS. I'll give you, I'll give you credit. I give them credit, and I give them good credit investigating 
um, Hezbollah. Hezbollah Institute Network, probably the group with the largest network around the world with those who are either agents of the Hezbollah or agents of Iran and or subcontractors, whatever, collecting intelligence or providing material support and collecting material parts for nuclear facilities or for weapons or whatever. They're around the world, Central America, Africa, Europe, United States, Canada. Um, and the U.S. government has has really focused on that in the last few years. Steve, I want to interrupt you just for one second about Hezbollah. Can you give us a little bit of background on Operation Cassandra? It's shut down by the Obama administration and it's reactivation by uh, the Trump uh, Justice Department? I I could tell you, but then, Greg, I'd have to kill you. (laughs) Uh, Just in terms of a little bit of background, there was this uh, uh, investigation that was done. No, I'm familiar with... I think you should yeah. be careful what you say. No, no, this is all public. Uh, uh, okay, if you're going to report uh, what the Wall Street Journal said, that's fine. But <laughs> I, 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 I do I, want I, it to be on the on the masthead of the New York Times that Hezbollah stops what they're doing. But but in all seriousness, there was this investigation by right. the DEA and the ATF. They were looking into yes. smuggling and shipping and cars and whatever. And the one good thing that Trump did, and this is this is exactly to to back up your point, they are trying to dismantle that network that's fundraising in 67 countries by the uh, organization Hezbollah. Yes. And uh, they I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, you know, I can tell you this much. In contrast to the Obama, there was one counter-terrorist investment of the Obama administration. It started in the Bush administration in 2002. It was a group in Northern Virginia um, uh, called, it was International Institute of Islamic Thought, actually, that started in Philadelphia in the 1980s uh, under Oki, who was actually, but it moved to Virginia. And their idea was to, and they were connected to Saudi Arabia and a uh, multi billion dollar uh, labyrinth of different groups, all connections throughout the world, but about 39 or 40 of them in the U.S. Most of them in Northern Virginia, but some in Georgia, including a halal chicken factory in Macon, Georgia. And an investigation was started on the basis of an affidavit signed by a DHS agent alleging terrorist operations, all the proceeds of this labyrinth of companies. And they had the evidence. And they did a raid. They raided and they got gigabytes of information. And they started an investigation, a criminal investigation. And it took 10 years to, to uh, finish the longest counterterrorist investigation ever. And then brought up, was served, 110 count indictment was, was, had to be approved by the, by Eric Holder's people. That, uh, that was the National Security Division. It was brought to the Assistant Attorney General for National Security, David Chris, who has now been appointed to be the overseer, ironically, of the FISA abuses, a oh, terrible wow. appointment. Wow. Mr. Chris, this has not been known, never been revealed, uh, declined to prosecute, decided that, and he wouldn't put it in writing, but the understanding was that they didn't want to alienate Islamic groups, even though they were demonstrable, unimpeachable evidence the nation was responsible had been funding terrorist operations around the Islamic Jihad in Florida. And that that indictment was killed, and nothing ever has been restored 
and these guys are walking around freely funding universities, George, George Washington University, George Mason University, and chairs have been endowed in their names. So it's interesting to see how these terrorist groups have reinvented themselves, legitimized themselves, and been accredited actually by U.S. government officials. Same thing with Islamic charities like Islamic Relief or others that the police form and the IPT have investigated, right? They get money now from exactly. the U.S. government, even exactly. though they're they linked get to federal terrorism. government money. Islamist funding is up fourfold under the Trump administration. It's 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 insane. And with that explosive revelation by Steve Emerson, we're going to have to uh, end the program today. But Steve, before we go off air, how can we find out more about the IPT and your work? Um, two ways. You can, if you want to be on our mailing list and uh, regular email list that goes out to many people, and it's our published articles and exposés and counterterrorist news, and you just write an email to stop terror, S E T E R R O R, Dan Quell now. I don't know how to spell potato, but <laughs> stop terror at AOL.com, okay? And just say, please subscribe me. Again, that's at or go to our website, and you can enroll. And the website is um, www.investigativeproject, one word, investigativeproject.org. There's a sign up right at the front screen. And you can also Steve Emerson, the executive director of the Investigative Project on Terrorism, here on WWDB 860 and Middle East Forum Radio. Gary Gamble, Marilyn Stern, Greg Roman, here on the team at MEF and from WWDB. Week. 